after the year 2020, the Spoiler Room crew thought things were going to cool down. But they are just heating up. Cannon fodder. We're in the shit now. Listen in as this elite group of cinema special forces take on an army of cannon group films. What the hell are we watching? I don't know. I can't take my eyes off it. Prepare yourself for urban action. Kung Fu action. Action, action. There will be car chases, ninja, and of course, movie spoilers in Cannon Fodder. Happy Fodder's Day. And hopefully uh, we go live properly. Yeah, I'm getting the warning from Facebook already. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Facebook has worried me already. Hey, folks, and welcome to WSMP Radio. You just heard Oingo Boingo's No One Lives Forever. And before we get started any further tonight, I got a wonderful crew assembled with me here in the spoiler room to go for our cannon fodder episode. Yes, the cannon was pulled last month, and we hit Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which spawned the Saw is Family Month, which is what you're getting this month. And yeah, I've I can't you know, I've got a great group here, very appropriate for tonight's film, which is aptly named Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yes, it is a canon film. Hard to believe, I know, but brace yourself. You'll find out why, I'm sure, during this podcast. And first off, she is back with us in the spoiler room. So glad to have her here uh horror retrospective it is none other than cara how are you doing today and thank you for joining us i'm doing okay glad to be back it's been a while <laughs> it's been a little while but we're, we're glad to have you in here and especially for tonight's film so uh you know i i'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this this wild and crazy movie uh and next to cara is none other than angelique she's with us also a horror aficionado so glad to have you in the room with us angelique how are you doing i'm doing great and for this episode since i'm short you can't call me squash can't call you stretch we'll call you squash (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll we'll call you angelique okay (laughs) i don't want to call you squash um (laughs) because then i just think of the vegetable and it gets awkward then you know (laughs) Like it did just now. Like it did just just now, because I said that. I'm okay. And yes, my right-hand man with me, taking this journey, always stopping by the spoiler room. Always a pleasure to have him, Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying some coffee from my official spoiler room mug. Yes. I, I think it never shows up on camera properly. I'm just going to do this. Go. There, there you go. go. The light finally <laughs> hit it right. Yeah. Nice. Get you some. Uh, well, I have a, a beverage as well, and we do have merch going on. And yes, there is uh, a shameless shill of merchandise if you're interested. Uh, link will be uh, on all. Uh, it's like everywhere. So <laughs> you'll find <laughs> it. And there might even be a code somewhere that gives you a discount. So. Enough of that shilling tonight. Let's talk Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986 from Canon Films. Directed, yes, by Toby Hooper. Thirteen years ago, 
Audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Chainsaw Massacre 2, The Buzz is back, directed by Toby Hooper. Uh, so they tell me anyway. <laughs> this is not another Poltergeist situation. No, this is he not directed another, he did, both he, films. He did direct both films. And so tonight, Kara, if you uh, don't mind, would you uh, mind giving us the synopsis of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, or at least try to? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm sure, pretty sure I'm not going to do it justice, but it's it's a very weird, bizarro film that just really doesn't seem to take itself too seriously. It, it still follows the the story of the cannibal family, but it, it takes a lot of interesting twists and turns. Uh, I know it centers on, what is it, uh, two college kids that get murdered at the beginning, and then it just kind of becomes this vendetta between the the sheriff and the family, and there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff from then on. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. You, it, It's really hard to put this film into words because you're right. It doesn't do this script justice. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Angelique, do you remember when you first saw TCM2? Uh, yeah, it was um, right after I got my first copy of... Uh, Joe Bob goes back to the drive-in mm. and I'm getting big into my Joe Bob research. Sure. And then him talking about his cameo in this. And of course, by that time I loved Texas Chainsaw Massacre more than anything. So then I was like, mom, you got to see it. Number two. <laughs> number two. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, his part was cut, but hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did get to see it on the Blu-ray, which I have up there that I got at Dollar Tree. So I've been searching for the Blu-ray everywhere and I can't find it. Oh, wait, no, was, which, really? which Blu-ray was it? Was it the Shout Factory one or was no, it the regular? No, it's, it's the regular MGM one that mm. was released. It's not the Shout Factory one. I wish I had the Shout Factory one. Because but... that one is like 70 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Kara, what about you? Do you remember when you saw TCM2? I I want to say, not that I'm trying to brag, but I, I have very vague memories of my family going to the theater and watching it. And I only remember the opening scene on the highway with the, the corpse with the chainsaw. And then I remember the ending scene with Stretch and the chainsaw. And I think I fell asleep in between the rest of it. <laughs> now, when you say your family went to go see this, like, how how old were you? <laughs> this is this is not like, hey, we're gonna go see the Shaggy Dog, kids. No, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm um, I can't even remember how old this movie is. I'm trying to pull up my IMDb, but I, it, I know I was thirty five. It's from eighty six. So, it's... Oh, okay, so I was four. <laughs> yeah. 
actually, there you go. It's celebrating its 35th anniversary, and I didn't even plan it like that. So look at that. Uh, wow. 35th anniversary of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And we welcome our viewers, the three of them that we have tonight, to talk, uh, listen to <laughs> us uh, gab about TCM2. Now, Ian, uh, when was the first time you watched this film? You recently watched it even for your show. but uh, you? Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I think last week I talked to Scout Tafoya, who's a film critic and a film essayist, and he wrote a book called Cinemophagy, which is about the it's a complete Toby Hooper retrospective and it's fascinating. But we talked about Texas Chainsaw 2 for the 35th anniversary, and I'm very happy to be talking about it again because this is a movie that I saw it when I was younger. I didn't fully get it. And then even when I was an adult, like 10 or so years ago, I watched it. And I was like, I still don't get the charm. But then watching it uh, within the last month, month plus, I really tuned into it. And I think part of that was because I was reading about you know, more about Hooper and getting on his wavelength as a filmmaker because I've seen a lot of his stuff, but I haven't seen nearly as much as I you know probably should have at this point. But uh, yeah, this movie is is bonkers. It's nuts. I just love that it's so it's like the difference between alien and aliens. You know, now in that situation, it was two different filmmakers taking on the same kind of material. But in this, it's the guy who created this movie coming back, you know, eight or nine years later or whatever the difference was to do a sequel that's completely unrecognizable as, you know, coming from the same guy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. And I think it's criminal that this thing isn't more appreciated. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think part of it is the same thing. When I first watched this when I was younger, probably too young to watch it, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't quite get it either because I was a big fan of the original. And then you get this and you're like, whoa, you're like, this is different. You know, and it's it. What's funny is it's deemed as a comedy horror. OK, it's it's deemed as a parody horror. I've seen many. But watching it, I'm like. This fits right nestled in with the rest of the mid 80s horror that was intended to be more serious. So I'm like sitting here going, is this kind of a room or birdemic after the fact where the director went? Huh, no, no, I <laughs> I actually meant it to be funny. Ha ha. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, more huh? to do with the uh, maximum overdrive amount of the, white power that's going around. The what? Oh, the white power, <laughs> the the cocaine in the eighties. Yeah, it, it's the equal amount. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> in maximum overdrive. You know, that was a, a fueled frenzy of a movie. <laughs> this one wants to. <laughs> to yeah to to clarify just so we don't get knocked off the internet uh we're talking about white powder and not white power <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no oh, white Marty. power going on in <laughs> no it's okay it just lagged a little bit and so it was like you you said i'm like oh okay um i don't remember there no being <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Sorry. Oh, uh, nice. But you're right. I mean, this film open. It, this is the thing with canon, and this is what I love. Is and it's it ended up being their downfall. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to shill it again. Uh, the canon film guide uh, one, which is the rise of canon from '80 to '84. Uh, Austin Trunick is right now working on his middle section, which is just huge with all the interviews he has about 
Cannon's middle tier where they had money and they were throwing it at any property they could buy it on, he, you know, to try to survive because they were starting to get on the ropes. So you had the He-Man and the mass, you know, the Masters of the Universe that they were throwing. Well, here you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre and they had the money. And I don't know the whole story. And that's why I can't wait for his second book to read about it, because um Gallant, the cannons threw a bunch of money into this. I mean, this has a huge budget if you look at the production that you have, especially compared to the first one. So when they say horror comedy, I'm like, I don't know. It, it feels like a regular 80s campy horror film in many ways, you know, with that little extra level of, you know, knowledge because you get some repeated scenes from the first one. Uh, but I don't know, uh, uh, Ian, what do you think? Do you think this was intended all along to be a parody of it? I haven't watched the researcher or done the behind the scenes stuff. So I know I fail there. I apologize to all, but, um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's a parody. It's, it's kind of hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a horror movie mostly because it's got, you know, people in distress being chased by maniacs with power tools. But I I was never scared by this movie. I don't think it's a scary movie. It's an intense and a weird movie. It's one of those things where you can watch it and just feel like, I'm glad I'm not them. Uh, (laughs) I feel like if I was in that radio station when Leatherface busts out of the closet or over the chainsaw, yeah, I'd be terrified out of my wits. Uh, but it's just so such a strange movie that I can't uh, there was nothing that creeped me out like the original film is I think creepy and and Mm -hmm. scary in a lot of ways this is just its complete own animal I think where the satire element comes in is more sort of misunderstanding what Toby Hooper was trying to say with this movie it is more of a political it's a political cultural Mm -hmm. satire but that doesn't mean that it's supposed to be you know jokey funny Mm -hmm. ha ha now, Bill Mosley, yeah, he's definitely a, a character with you know him playing Chop Top, and he is a funny character, but that doesn't mean that the movie he is in is a comedy. Yeah, I think there's a distinction with that. What about you, Kara? Would you say that? Uh, I mean, this is satire, but not necessarily supposed to be like a ha ha. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> hilarious that he just pounded that guy with a hammer. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I would I would say yeah, satire on on multiple levels. It seems to poke fun at other horror films. It even parodies the the Breakfast Club, the right. poster. Everybody's all in the same poses. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and I'm wondering, and and that's always the thing too between satire and parody. Angelique, what about you? Uh, satire, but maybe not necessarily parody. Cause when you think parody, you kind of think Zucker brothers and airplane. And this is, this is not that. Right. Yeah. This absolutely is not that this is, you know, it, it is a political satire and that it's making a statement. But as far as the actual film goes, it's intended to freak you out. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the deep visceral way that the first one did, but it's still shocking. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we talked a bit about um, Ed Gein last week and the kind of the furniture that he made out of people. You know, one thing you really get a sense of looking at, uh, was it Texas Battleland is the the, the rundown amusement park that they've made their lair into. Uh, if you look around at those decorations, the thing that stuck out to me the most the last time I watched it was in the extreme foreground. I think it might have been the dinner scene or leading up to it. There is a full on slim pickings from... 
Dr. Strangelove riding the bomb complete with the cowboy hat, you know, down into to blow up the world. Uh, that's that's genius. And it just it goes to show the kind of pathos of these characters. Yeah, these people are completely demented. This is how they interpret pop culture, how they pay homage to it. If you're in that layer again, you'd be completely freaked out because those are actual human remains that they've used to build this <laughs> satirical sculpture. Yeah, I, I, you still have your your human remains furniture in here, so they keep that. In fact, there's a whole hallway of dioramas made of corpses, of indifferent scenes and poses. You know, <laughs> so one well, of the, I said it before. I'll say it again: Leatherface is an artiste. He, he is an artiste, uh, you know, and yeah, Chop Top is supposed to be the twin brother of the hitchhiker that got, you know, Nubbins, yeah, Nubbins. <laughs> Who shows up in here in corpse form in uh, a funny yet very disturbing the opening scene in this film really sets everything up. They've strapped the corpse of Nubbins to Leatherface. And you're like, this is funny, yet also highly disturbing at the same time. Because you got the corpse all like, ah, you know. <laughs> yeah, because when you first see it, you don't know if he's if he's just alive. or right. Well, because you don't even really know that that's supposed to be the hitchhiker when you first see him. Right. Um, I, I Honestly, it wasn't until I watched the the dvd or was it blu-ray i think i got a dvd um of this movie that i was able to look and say oh yeah that's the you can see the birthmark and mm -hmm. you can see the mirrored birthmark on bill mosley's face it's all this detail that you know you have to watch this movie a few times to figure out everything that's going on because it's definitely a kitchen sink uh, <laughs> type of movie but yeah I, I love that 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 that's supposed to be him and you can blink and miss the reference to the hitchhiker mm -hmm. And it still works because it's still crazy that they have a corpse, you know, tied to Leatherface. It's just it makes it even cooler once you find out who it was supposed to be. Right. And then when you see Chop Top, you're like, wait, is he supposed to be? Then that tosses you first. You're like, wait, did he survive somehow being crushed under the wheels or which, you know, he's got the plate in his head. So you could think that, oh, maybe that that's how they, they fixed him. But no, it's yeah. After all, grandpa was still alive in the original from sucking blood. So and we get grandpa in here. <laughs> Yay, grandpa. <laughs> well, he does it best, though. My son, who watched this one with me because he watched the first one with me and he said he liked this one a little bit better. We're like. Yeah, they tout about Grandpa being the one-hit killer. Both times he's we've seen him do it, he has not one-hit killed anything. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's it's a thing that always rubbed me the wrong way about this movie is the 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 makeup on Grandpa. I mean, it's really well done, but it's so exaggerated and almost cartoonish. What it reminds me of, and I know I saw this I saw the movie I'm about to reference after I saw Texas Chainsaw, so it's not a ripoff, but they, they were kind of doing the same thing. What Dan, they did with Dan Aykroyd in Nothing But Trouble. Uh, you had to bring that movie up. You, you just... <sighs> I'm saying, I think I think there's another family connection there. <laughs> it could be another family connection. Uh, you know, Carl, do you, did it surprise you with this, considering the, the amount of time between the films that they were able to get basically at least, you know... Jim Seidel back for that. I mean, you know, you, you got at least some character uh, 
actors back for this from the original. I mean, you know, Jim Sidow as the cook shows up and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, for a film like this, does it surprise you that he shows up in here? I don't think it's really much of a surprise. I think, especially for those who had already formed a following around the first movie, it's mm-hmm. it's more to be expected. Kind of like they'd be disappointed if there wasn't some sort of of reference or some little sure. nod somewhere. I'm surprised Kane Hodder didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, not Kane Hodder. Uh, uh, um... The original Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Hansen. Thank you. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> like, wait, wait. Was Kane Hodder in no, the original? <laughs> no, I get the two. I always get the names mixed up. I'm horrible with names. Okay, you're lucky. All that I remember, all of yours. That's why we have the lo- labels on here, so I can remember everyone's <laughs> name. Uh, well, you keep calling me. You've been calling me Ian for years. My name's actually Fred. Oh, sorry. Shit. No. Shit. <laughs> I knew it. Damn it. <laughs> But, uh, you know, well, actually, you know, I'll say who the surprise is. And Dennis Hopper showing up in a film like this. Mm. You you know, I mean, he granted he doesn't have the huge and he's been in like, I know, Blue Velvet and that. But still, this is not a film. I'd say Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. You don't think, oh, Dennis Hopper. Sure. And (laughs) he shows up in here. If I remember correctly, I, I, this might have been from the Toby Hooper commentary mm-hmm. um, or maybe it was somewhere else I heard. But I, I think I heard that he had like seen Dennis Hopper in a restaurant having lunch. And he just walked up to him and said, hey, you want to be in this in Texas Chainsaw too?" <laughs> and he's like, sure, man. <laughs> they just on set. Uh, I love Lefty in this. Uh, Angelique, what do you think of Lefty in this? I love him. He's so intense and he's down for revenge, man. <laughs> when he goes to that horse shop and he's looking at the chainsaws and then he goes to test him and just goes ham on that log outside. <laughs> I, I I loved how they connected him to the original in this mm-hmm. and how, mm-hmm. how this is, you know, family connection. Uh, Cara, what'd you think of uh, good old Dennis Hopper in this film? I I thought he was a great choice. I mean, he's he's definitely versatile. You you obviously beat me to Blue Velvet, but oh, sorry. seeing that he can do that, I'm like it. It doesn't really surprise me. It's that he can just probably go to like zero to five thousand in under two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just wild though. Still, because you think of his pedigree you're just like yeah he's got the crazy films but he's also known you know he's done so many films veteran actor and then he takes a role like this you're just like but yeah he adds a little bit of extra oomph to it i mean caroline williams though is great i liked Mm -hmm. her in this yeah quite a bit uh though my son couldn't get over just how much they have her scream mad props (laughs) to her because like a third to a half of her part is just her screaming this way. She could not have had the vocal cords after this. Screaming and flirting with Leatherface. (laughs) Oh my God. Let's talk about that scene because I forgot about that scene. I totally (laughs) forgot. And suddenly I'm looking at it going, oh, this is a wonderful love story for where, you know, Leatherface finds love or lust or you know find discovers out. girls 
<laughs> it's, it's only been 13 extra years, but he's finally discovered women. Yeah. <laughs> because the setup for the scene is so weird at first. You have Leatherface and he's he's cutting into the ice instead of her. And you know, if he just went like this, she's done. That's it. Movie over. But he's cutting up the ice and the soda and she's getting more and more soaked and more and more soaked and wet and kind of got the wet look to it, even though she's, you know, very scared. sports illustrated cover. <laughs> <laughs> she's got the wet look to her. And all of a sudden he stops and he's like, huh? And she real picks up on this and like, oh, you're good. You're good. And I'm just like. I feel very awkward. Right <laughs> the power of Daisy Dukes. I'd, I'd say it was a gamble, though. Like, she's, she's obviously clever, and she caught on, and she used her wiles to try and get herself out of something. But he could have just totally interpreted left field and just split her right down the middle. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was kind of ballsy, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, at that, at that point, like, what does she have to lose, I guess? <laughs> um, well, ex except for her head or, you know, the, her midsection. Um, yeah, it, it reminded me kind of like what happened at the uh, the end of, was it Friday the 13th Part 2 in the cabin where uh, Ginny realizes that she can put on, you know, Mrs. Voorhees' sweater and because <laughs> Jason's like about to, <laughs> you know, attack with that pickaxe and uh, kind of flip the psychology around. Yeah, it's, it's a weird scene because it's incredibly disturbing. Um but it's also shot in such a way that it is, you know, it's erotic as hell. I mean, you've got the, 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 the sweat, you know, on, on Caroline William, you know, as, as Angelique mentioned, the, the Daisy Dukes, Daisy Dukes are practically a supporting character in this, in this role, in this, this scene. Um, but you're also like, I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be seeing this. This is, <laughs> this is wrong and a half. I have, I have conflicting feelings about this entire scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Angelique. I do, Angelique. Do you think we're supposed to though? Do you, I mean, do you think this is just kind of? It's like it's it's just a weird scene. And it, the thing is, it's not just a gimmick because it actually plays a vital role in the plot later on, where she doesn't get aced when she's at Texas Battlefield. Um, right. I mean, what'd you think of this whole subplot? A bit of. <laughs> Sex and the Leatherface. <laughs> um, well, I mean, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. If it's a dust jacket. <laughs> <laughs> made of made of human skin. Made of human skin. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was smart um, because it didn't go all the way. Mm -hmm. It would have been a thing if, you know, he'd have chainsawed her shirt off and then there's boobs and then there's blood, you know, that would have been exploitive. Mm -hmm. This, you know, she's, you know, uh, Lefty told her, okay, they, they feed on fear. Don't be afraid. Well, I'm scared out of my ever loving mind. What can I do now? Oh, he's looking at my crotch. Well, <laughs> here we go. You know, Let's just sword and stone this and see how it goes. <laughs> I like that phrase, sword and stone this. That should be on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> and then what's interesting, too, is he doesn't kill her afterwards. And he has a moment, which is also awkward, but I feel bad 
because you know what came to mind when he actually kind of, you know, is just sit there with the chainsaw and he, you know, pops, uh, so to speak, is I'm like, Forrest Gump. (laughs) (laughs) The scene where he's with Jenny. We we all know the scene, Mark. Yes. Okay. But I couldn't help but think, I don't know why that, I'm just like, oh, uh, (laughs) you know. And then I started thinking of Forrest Gump as Leatherface, and then I'm like, no, let's get back to the movie. Well, Um, no, I was going to say that the ages might line up. When when was this? (laughs) (laughs) Haley Joel Osment has grown up. He's moved out of the house. Forrest decides to move down to Texas, and shrimp thing doesn't work out so well down there, so they have to go into barbecue. Well, it, it works. We've got mud bugs in Texas. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I love this. <laughs> Leatherface jerking his gherkin was not at all what I expected. Oh. <laughs> no, well, it's, 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 I was thinking of uh, of beef jerky. So you, you got it right. <laughs> exactly. Well, what's worse is he's he's not touching himself, but he's got the chainsaw in front of him and he's Oh kinda... no, he is touching himself behind the chainsaw. Oh, is he? I never, I didn't, I couldn't. You I... actually kind of get a, a Franks and Bean slip. Oh, do you really? Wow. Yeah. Angelique has studied this scene. <laughs> no, I didn't realize that. I... <laughs> Maybe I was trying not to quite focus on it because I was just like, this is okay. Right. Any any time now. I didn't think it went on. Uh, like you know, I remembered him mm. putting the chainsaw up her leg, and then against right. her shorts. I did not remember that he took that opportunity to you know commit a final act. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed that. Maybe I was too focused on the chainsaw waving up and down <laughs> to notice that was going yeah, on yeah. but yeah you hear the suit you hear the, the little flappy noises and then he you know turns on the chainsaw because that's when things are finished <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> the thing is again though this storyline as awkward as this is it plays it later as i mentioned because we have caroline williams her character uh stretch she falls down the hole at the battle you know whoever designed this no wonder it got condemned uh this this amusement park she falls down a hole quite a bit ends up in the pantry of of the folks and it actually plays in later again to the emotions of leatherface to, for her survival and i thought it was interesting that we hear people talk about the final girls a lot you hear about Lori strode you even hear about you know the first uh, you know, final girl in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Marilyn. You, you hear about all these, but Caroline Williams for a final girl in here, she, I thought she was fantastic in this. Her, her character, you know, and I think she, I think sometimes she gets overlooked at this because I'm watching this going, she's awesome. I want to see her in another, <laughs> you know. Well, it's an interesting point because. You know, you usually hear about final girls in terms of like conventional slashers and right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre has not usually been that. You can also think of uh, Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser. She was a final yep. girl from, mm-hmm. from that movie. But that, again, people seem to tend to think of final, final girls in a very specific context. And a lot of actresses don't get their due. 
yeah, and she gets to have a fun dance with the chainsaw, which I, you know, <laughs> later <laughs> as well. But, you know, the, the whole love story, so that that's how she survives, I thought, was an interesting angle to take with this. You wouldn't think Leatherface had any type of feelings whatsoever, but he's actually exploring that, whether or not, you know, it, it's ooky still, but still you wouldn't have thought Leatherface a... a this icon, what became this iconic killer, as having you know other feelings outside of I want to cut you up and then throw you in the barbecue. Well, I mean, he's yeah, he's been sheltered and all that. Sorry, go ahead, Kara. Oh no, sorry. I was going to say it's it's not really a bad way of looking at it because Leatherface is obviously at least in his own world he's younger than everyone else, so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like his coming of age. So just kind of you kind of realize he's not as bad as everyone else either because he kind of tries to help stretch. And even though he, he kind of puts someone else's face over her to, to mask her, which I thought that scene was hilarious, but um, he, he actually kind of goes against what, what we're used to seeing from this family. And he actually, he does, he shows that he cares about someone other than, than just, you know, flailing his, his crotch and his chainsaw around. <laughs> He does. And, uh, Ian, uh, your thought with that, too, of making your slasher have a heart. <laughs> well, it's also another weird thing about this movie and something that differentiates it from the original. Um, you see Leatherface's eyes. Mm-hmm. Like in the in the first Texas Chainsaw, you get glimpses of his eyes, but they're almost like these little black dots that, you, that are recessed behind the skin of the, you know, of the mask. In this... His eyes are very expressive. They're very big. And he's got that tongue that's constantly like whipping around his mouth. So he looks like a cartoon character, uh, which kind of fits with the rest of the aesthetic of this movie. So he's almost for as horrific as the stuff that he's doing. The real villainy is down to Jim Sidow as the cook and Chop Top. Mm-hmm. Leatherface, as Kara mentioned, is almost almost an innocent in this movie. It's it's hard to it's it's hard to forget that. It's easy to forget that considering the amount of meat and blood and entrails that come out of that wall that Dennis Hopper cuts open in the lair, just how many people these folks have savagely murdered. <laughs> yeah, there there is that. They they've they've killed quite a bit. And what's funny is this film then throws a different perspective on Leatherface in the original, wouldn't you say, Angelique? And that you look at this going, well, maybe in the first one he was just a victim of family. Um. Well, I mean, they, they did boss him around. They did have to cook dinner. He did have to serve dinner. Mm-hmm. So he, they... he only really started killing people when they broke into his house. It's true. You know, <laughs> I mean, Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is really about, you know, the stand your ground type of law that you have for people breaking into your house. If they hadn't broken into his house, he wouldn't it's have. Home invasion. it's home invasion he doesn't know if they're there to kill him even though they have no weapons and he's got a chainsaw doesn't matter he's afraid Uh, and honestly i mean this one is kind of a revenge flick mm -hmm. if you think about it because those two assholes at the start of the movie you know almost got them into a car accident so this is a road rage revenge movie (laughs) That 
That's true because it does open and they play chicken and these guys, it's funny, my son asked, she's like, do people actually go around shooting signs? And I'm like, have you traveled in North Wisconsin? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, Cara, do, do people down in Texas, do they, do they go around shooting signs? <laughs> Uh, I don't know so much about shooting signs. I know, I, I think stealing signs is still a thing. Taking a baseball bat to people's mailboxes is still a thing. What about you, Angelique? You're, you're in the, you're in the South there, uh, in, they shooting up signs. Signs over here. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of signs with some holes. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly stop signs. Ah, well, <laughs> why would you want to stop yeah that just you shoot it enough it'll not say stop anymore and then you can just you keep bossing me son <laughs> but you're right i mean in the beginning all they're doing is like these guys are a-holes so they're just taking care of these guys who nearly killed them by playing a game of chicken so i mean at least that kill you can say is self-defense kind of even though you chop their head off with a chainsaw but still well they were provoked they were, <laughs> there you go they were provoked <laughs> i mean the rule number one around here and and probably in in, in your neck of the woods as well uh, down there in texas but if a person has an american flag emblazoned upon the body of their vehicle leave them alone you don't <laughs> you don't want you don't want anything to do with it Especially if there's, you know, truck nuts involved as well. If you got the of the American flag and the truck nuts, all bets are off. Don't even make eye contact because they take that as a sign of aggression. You know, just go about your business. You might get a guy who's got a corpse strapped to himself cutting you up. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't look at him crossways because then you're you're done. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know, I. I've I had just this film has just got so much going on with it. We get Leatherface and his uh, sexual awakening, and then we got Sidow and his character, the cook. Which Angelique, we find out the cook's been uh, winning that chili contest for the last couple of years now. I might have to plead the fifth on this one because I mean, good meat's good meat. <laughs> And if you notice, that chili did not have beans in it. So right on. <laughs> <laughs> are, are beans a sin in chili? <laughs> it's not chili if it has beans. In it. No, no, uh-oh. It's no. Beans if it has beans in it. Oh, 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 Car, Car, where do you stand? You're the tiebreaker on this. Beans or no beans? If there's beans in it, is it chili? I'm, I'm, I'm of the unpopular opinion. I like, I like beans in my chili. If you want to throw peppers and stuff in there too, I'm cool with it, especially onions and garlic. Ooh. See, Angelique, this is a completely uh, alien perspective to me. I've never had chili without beans. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I have, but that's I, I, I guess I've been doing it wrong. I guess <laughs> I, I, I have, but Hormel sells the no beans and the beans, and the no beans are usually cheaper. So, well, yeah, but the no beans that's typically in the commie section. I, I, I avoid it at all costs. What? No, there, there are three schools of chili now. Around here, you say chili, it's expected for there to be beans, mm. you know, mm-hmm. in 
other necks of the woods, I guess, you know, there's your, your factions within factions. You've got, they call it either chili, with it has no beans in it, it's just meat and onions and tomatoes and whatnot. Or it's called chili sauce or hot dog chili that doesn't have the beans in it. So oh. here I, I go down. Uh, yeah, don't get me started on food and etymology or we'll be here all night. <laughs> I just love the fact we've turned a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 film into a foodie conversation. So, well, <laughs> here's here's the uh, thing. That makes perfect it's sense. The... It's a cannibal film. <laughs> That's right. It's true. <laughs> but here's here's the power of chili. I actually want to eat a chili dog right now. I don't care where it came from well, or what's you, on it. Well, you're from Illinois, so of course you would. So no, <laughs> You want, that, no. you want that Chicago style, right? Hey, don't get me started on the debate about ketchup over here. Uh, <laughs> people say you can't have ketchup on a hot dog. I'm like... Ketchup doesn't go on a traditional Chicago dog, but if you want a hot dog, you're welcome to put whatever you'd like on it. I've almost seen fistfights break out about, you know, over people, like with any kind of hot dog and ketchup in the vicinity. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's, it's a hot dog. I like ketchup. <laughs> Now, I don't put it on the Chicago dog because that is redundant because of the tomatoes, but yeah. Sure. Anyway, back to Texas Chainsaw <laughs> 2. It is cannibal. Welcome to Cookie with Cannibals tonight. Um, what's interesting is the whole thing with him winning the second year with the Chili Fest. It, it is a funny gimmick and how he talks about the meat, and he that's his whole thing is always the meat, and how they've got this year where I guess it's the Oklahoma Texas rivalry in college town for their football game or whatever. And he's talking about, Oh, this is where we could make money, but they're always screwing the small businessman. That's after he takes a chainsaw in the ass. But uh, <laughs> what's funny, it reminded me of Ed Gein and hear mm -hmm. me out on this. You guys may know the story, but Ed Gein before it all came out was known to have some of the best venison in the county, he used to have venison that he used to give his neighbors. <laughs> venison. <laughs> now, but here's the thing. you uh, I think it was established last week that Ed Gein only killed like two or three people. Sure. Mm -hmm. And he was a grave robber otherwise. Mm -hmm. He got fresh so, grave. It was fresh grave. Fresh body. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> time ian you use every part <laughs> the meat is dry aged yeah so <laughs> <laughs> and in this case apparently it makes you good chili the last two years in in a row for the chili competition which has the most wonderful yet grotesque trophy i've ever seen for a contest <laughs> With the well it was his chili in the bowl on top I, I know, but <laughs> it's like drooping over the sides. It looks like, you know, bad White Castle after effects. <laughs> and he's hugging it and the chili's pouring on his suit, um, which, you know, I, I'm sorry. In this one, the cook, um, uh, you know who the cook reminded me of in this one more so than the first one? He reminded me of Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> He, he had a bit of an Uncle Lloydy energy to him. You know, I'm like, if Troma made this, this would be the role Lloyd would be in. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Which, well, he's still alive, so they could make a, a new Texas Chainsaw and have him be the uh, the cook or the Arlie Ermey character or whoever they <laughs> wanted to be. 
you know, I, this film is just, it's, it's definitely different than the first one, but you know, I, I, it's so much fun. This, it's so odd. I have such a bigger appreciation for this film, especially the production. I mean, Kara, the production of this film, especially considering the first one was shot on such a shoestring budget. What'd you think of the overall production and the, the quality of this, this movie in general for what it was? Uh for the sequel? Yeah, for the sequel. I I think it did very well. I, I couldn't... I mean, it just looked like just a regular production to me. It right. didn't seem that it was lacking or overflowing in anything. And mm-hmm. I mean, the effects were great. I have no complaints on that. That's usually what makes or breaks a film, even if even if the story is good. Well, and it was Savini who did... I forgot it was Savini who did the effects on this. So who showed up in a cut scene, which was deleted of where they uh, apparently on their way after they take out the yuppies in the car, they drive into a parking section where there's a whole rally or riot going on football riot amongst a bunch of yuppie uh, college guys. And they show up and, and they show up in the, the ice cream truck and the, uh, the cook makes a disparaging comment and they all come over there. And then Leatherface jumps out of the back of the, the truck and starts slicing guys in a wonderfully gory effects ridden scene to where even Tom Savini gets killed, uh, killed. He gets his hand cut off and the hand before it dies, gives Leatherface the middle finger. It's a beautiful scene. <laughs> that just sounds completely out of place with the rest of like, uh, well, he cut it. He they cut, don't like a, dra- a drachnia attention to themselves, right? I, I guess that's, yeah. Well, and so it, weird. And they cut it for pacing, apparently, according to the Blu-ray. There's actually another scene after that where they decide to go to the movie theater and they drop yep. a line as they're driving, and that's where the Joe Bob comes in because two uh, apparently two Texas socialites they got for the film and Joe Bob are talking about exploding titties. Um, that's a quote. I'm not trying to be vulgar or harsh. That's that Joe Bob talks about exploding titties, uh, <laughs> to quote him. Um, and he gives a rating for Leatherface's chopping up of the two socialites. He stands there and he goes three stars. That's some serious saw foo. And I'm like, I got to look these scenes up, man. This is, that sounds the, wild. The Joe Bob scene is online. I think on YouTube, uh, you can find yeah. it. Um, but it was um, the um, was it the grotesque version mm-hmm. of D. But the footage is definitely rough. They they couldn't find yeah. a really good print, and they didn't clean it up. So, actually, it was really weird. In the one cut scene they had with uh, where he takes out the college kids, there's no chainsaw sound effect. Oh, it's very cause... surreal to see him come up and raise the chainsaw and it's like dead silent. You're just like, (laughs) this is weird. (laughs) So yeah, there were a few cut scenes because of that. Um, And apparently in the final scene as well, there's a cut scene where she goes crazy. And I love this. I loved this whole final act because it's so bad shit when she escapes and she's being chased by Chop Top and they go up to the balcony to where grandma was with the chainsaw. 
and she takes out Chop Top with a chainsaw. Apparently, after he falls into the tube is when the explosion was actually supposed to happen and his clothes get shot out of the tube. But my son, who's watching this, who can watch and scroll because he was really interested in the history of, of this, apparently Chop Top was supposed to survive. Uh, the original cut his clothes get shot out of the tube and she does the chainsaw dance beautifully and the the reason the 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 cut that made theatrical they didn't they cut that scene out was because they were supposed to imply chop top survives so in the first cut he dies he explodes and but because they were going to come up with the all-american chainsaw massacre or all-american massacre i think it was called which Chop Top was going to be the main uh, antagonist in that one. Because Leatherface had the chainsaw through his stomach and he right. blew up down there in the lair. Uh, I'm kind of glad that uh, <laughs> never came to fruition. I would have loved to see Caroline Williams' character stretch just go bonkers. <laughs> Uh, Cara, what'd you think of this this final ending of of the way they did this this whole ending scene with Chop Top and uh, Stretch and their final like chase fight and 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 the way it ends? I I think it was well done, especially as as he's chasing her up ladders and stuff. It 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 keeps the tension. Is he gonna get her? Is he not gonna get her? Is he admiring her booty as he chases her up the stairs? <laughs> he's still cutting with the straight razor too, just like his brother did to the, to the original, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's a, a bit duller straight razor. I think, I don't think he sharpened that. I think that was his brother's straight razor because he cut her up, but he didn't cut, cut up much. It was like a lot of surface cuts. So they still hurt. I imagine, but <laughs> Angelique, how did you think of this film uh, ending the way it did? Did you like that? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And I think, you know, that would have been a perfect sequel. You know, Lady Leatherface. Mm -hmm. She's. she's it sounds very uh, Lady Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Snowblood, Lady Leatherface. Let's let's do it. You know. <laughs> That's a better better title than All American Chainsaw Massacre or whatever it was. Lady, Lady Leatherface. That yeah. that might have actually been a better third film than the one we actually got. <laughs> No, <laughs> which we will be talking about next week. Uh, so we will be talking about uh, the Leatherface three next week, which had the best teaser trailer known to man. And I wish the film would have delivered like it did uh, the teaser trailer. Uh, my, my other complaint is it wasn't even filmed in Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Th this one was still filmed in Texas, wasn't it? Tex Chainsaw it, it was parts of it were yeah. in Austin. And I'm not sure about all of the other locations. Battlelands was um, the chainsaw store was in Austin, uh, which is actually a, a bar now. <laughs> oh, is it really? I was going to ask, is that still a chainsaw shop? <laughs> that old man there just make him say, oh, my aching banana. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a it's a bar called the Mean Eyed Cat. It's Johnny Cash inspired and they oh. still have the little the log or the stump that dennis hopper cut into oh that's cool oh, oh that's that's beautiful it's beautiful so is battlelands was that an actual place yeah that was a, a real theme park i'm not good with my texas locations but um i want to say it was heading up between 
Waco, like on the back roads between Dallas and Waco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering if that was. I'm like, where where'd they find that place? Because I wanted to go there. <laughs> like, this place looks. I mean, without the bodies and the corpses and the the human furniture, but you know, the dioramas. Though you could, I guess, turn it into that attraction. <laughs> it's probably it's probably a, a condos now. Uh, it's uh, last I heard, it's a trailer park. <laughs> oh, is it? Well, okay. Even better. I was shooting high with condos. I didn't want to say. <laughs> I didn't want to go go and say trailer park, but okay. But you know, uh, <laughs> actually, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, chainsaw scene, though the shop, though, because I loved that scene in all honesty, and the fact that he uses them in the finale. We get, yeah, we, yeah, we get a chainsaw fight, an actual. You know, they're building up to it. You're like, are we going to get it? Aren't we? Did the chainsaw fight pay off? Because you know they were building up to it. Yeah, the chainsaw fight did pay off, and I was I was glad to see it because there's a, a stretch, and that's not a pun, uh, <laughs> towards the end of the movie where they are just recreating the climax of Texas Chainsaw One with a bigger budget, mm-hmm. complete with the you know grandpa and the and the sledgehammer and the bucket and all that. I was like, oh, I forgot about this. This is this is where it gets kind of boring. Yeah. But then then Dennis Hopper shows up and there's the chainsaw fight and the chainsaw running through Leatherface and there's that scene which again it's as you mentioned Mark uh the heroine being chased around with a straight razor by, by the maniac. But in this at least they're running up this weird, you know, these mountainous stairs as that bizarre shrine. So even though you're watching what you've seen before, you're watching in a way that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, it's Caroline Williams, with the chainsaw dancing around instead of Leatherface. So it really does work. It's a hell of a it's a hell of an ending to the movie. <laughs> it is. Angelie, do you like this this whole chainsaw fight? Did it pay off for you? Oh, it's epic. Yeah, it's epic. You see. The, the clash of the saws, Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper, <laughs> you know, what what more can you ask for? Honestly, and then you got Leatherface. He's still fighting with a chainsaw hanging from his belly, and you're like. You know, in some movies, you get the gimmick where they've got all these weapons and you see the hero use two. Mm-hmm. But in this one, no, he uses the short ones and suddenly it's two chainsaw fight against one. You're just waiting for grandpa to get cut. I'm surprised that grandpa didn't get the chainsaw, even though at 137 years old. Uh- <laughs> he didn't jump out and gum someone's ankle. <laughs> Hey, speaking of everlasting, uh, did you notice that Franklin's flashlight still worked? Yes. <laughs> wow. I don't know what was more disturbing with that. The fact that Franklin's flashlight still worked or the fact that the family felt the need to drag around Franklin's corpse in the, the wheelchair. Oh, well, they're, they're hoarders, you know. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're hoarders. <laughs> well, what I thought was, was interesting was the whole kind of retconning of Dennis Hopper's, because I guess this was in a cut scene where they explored more what the relationship was mm-hmm. between him and uh, Franklin, Sally, uh, Sally and Franklin. Right, yeah. Because at the, in the opening crawl of Texas Chainsaw 1, they talk about uh, Franklin and Sally Hardesty. Mm-hmm. In Texas Chainsaw 2, it's uh, Sally Hardesty Enright. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you know uh, lefty and right which i think is some kind of a weird pun of left and right i don't know right, yeah. um he mentioned when he sees franklin he you know mentions like uh, i think he calls him brother i don't yeah, know that they're supposed brother. to be brother I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they're supposed to be brothers or if it's more just like a just brother. a familial yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, because that would be that, that. Talk about an age difference. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some kind of a weird relationship there that was never really resolved. But it was just kind of cool to see that little throwback to <laughs> the wheelchair and the light that still works. <laughs> yeah, when he clicked on the flashlight, I'm like, oh shit, those are good batteries. I mean, then it, <laughs> then it, then it fades, and you're like, oh, way to go! You wasted the last bit of energy in the. Flat. Well, no, that was Franklin's spirit finally being released because he'd been found. You know, if this film took itself more seriously, I would say, okay, maybe that's what the filmmaker was going for. But in this case, no, he just. <laughs> It's just expiring. It's just the last bit of expiration of Franklin. Uh, may he rest in, in pieces. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, this this chainsaw fight, Kara. Did you like it? Did it pay off? Did you did you like? Did you did you expect more, or, or was this was this a good payoff? I, I think it was worth the wait. It was a lot of fun, especially they're they're running all over the place. They're tearing the place up. Mm-hmm. There's there's just all this crazy stuff going on in the background. Everybody has their own individual little fights and stuff. Yeah, and and the cook got cut up the butt, and that actually like. <laughs> <laughs> to which he uses as a metaphor for small business taking it in the ass. <laughs> like, because, you know, when I get cut in the butt, that's what I would think of is the commentary on how the small businessman gets the shit. <laughs> it's, it's just time to switch to a softer toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Will you quit using the Black and Decker chainsaw? Why don't you use Charmin? Charmin is a lot. <laughs> but don't squeeze the Charmin. Don't Otherwise, squeeze you, it. Don't squeeze uh. it. You'll be in trouble if you squeeze the Charmin. You can't quite squeeze a chainsaw. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's canon. You know, they're... If my understanding is correct, I'm, I'm a loose history of it, and that's why I, I can't wait for the second and third books. Austin, we salute you, um, because I, I want to know the more history. But it, this is kind of at canons just before they really started to like, <laughs> like, like, like they started to fit, you know, they started to just go too big. And, you know, this, I think, is still a solid film. Uh, I personally think that this is this is a, a wonderful entry into this franchise, which just gets weirder and a bit more disjointed later on. I might do a bonus episode on Next Generation, maybe, because that film just never sat right with me. But apparently our friend Andrew Shearer really likes it. So I'm thinking of doing a mano y mano against him going, OK, convince me, buddy. but you know this one i think canon does it justice i think we'll just get final thoughts here uh cara we'll start with you your final thought with texas chainsaw massacre 2 would you recommend it to people and do you think it's a a worthy installment into this large franchise i i would recommend it to somebody who hasn't seen the original just that way you don't have any preset expectations Mm -hmm. but i would definitely say it's it's one of those movies you 
you either love it or you hate it. This one had to grow on me and I, I absolutely love it now. Mm-hmm. Angelique, what about you? Your final thoughts, would you recommend it? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure about not having seen the original. You know, if you've seen the original, you're going to like this. I mean, this one's kind of its own animal, except for the few little callbacks mm-hmm. to the original. But it's still an enjoyable romp. I mean, there's so much in this that's just really, really great between the strong female character who in the end goes, you know, over the edge to a trailer park full of guts. <laughs> which again is, park. which that, yeah. you know, you know, Caroline, you know, stretches ending is different than what we got with, uh, you know, the original, because here in the original, she, she, I mean, she went mad from things. You could tell she was going mad in the back of that truck, but she approached it a little bit differently. This one, she's just like, yeah, Give me someone else to cut. She's like, I'm. A- <laughs> um, yeah. she, it's kind of like she embraced it. Like I'm the queen of the mountain now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need some gas for this thing. Um. <laughs> She's going to go off and have little leather baked babies. <laughs> well, that, that would just get really weird, but uh <laughs> Uh, I, he just outgrows his faces so quickly. I can't keep him stocked up. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, a 1T or a 3T? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to see this movie now. I want to see this movie where this mom is putting skin faces. Babies, we make our dreams come true. Oh man, that just got twisted and, and beautiful at the same time. I want to see that movie. <laughs> I want to see the Leatherface in a pandemic movie, like oh. of him having to make a mask mask. <laughs> oh, he's got he's got the mask. He'd sew it into the human mask. There you go. So yeah, still be the... so. He's got a leather mask over the. The face mask. The, the yeah, he's doubly protected. Yeah. You just kill somebody that's wearing an N95 and then you strip the whole thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I loved all the gory effects in this thing. <laughs> the skinning scene, the fact that, was it, GL wakes up with no face? And, it's LG. Or LG. Which I can't me. look at, I could never look at TVs the same way again. <laughs> LG. Bless him. He just wanted to take her out. Well, for him, life was not good. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. <laughs> no. But he kept his insides inside him. I was fully waiting for the the guts to spill out when. But Leatherface, you know, he only peeled half his body. He didn't, you know. Which again, Leatherface, you got to work on your tailorship if you're going to cut your fabric. You got to make sure you cut your fabric completely and not cut it he off. Just he did a left nipple. He did, yeah. He, I guess, he just needed the left nipple and not both. <laughs> he could have, he could have just decided. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just too hairy for my taste. I'll look for something a little less covered. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, he, he is particular. I think about the skin he wears, um, literally. Uh, <laughs> 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 Ian, your final thought with Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Oh, it's it's great. You know, it's uh. It's not exactly a fun 
movie. In fact, I feel kind of ooky whenever I, you know, <laughs> even think about it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's its own kind of a weird masterpiece. And I think that really should have stopped after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's many out there that would agree with you that they should have stopped with this movie. I I know after this one, you look at this one, you go, unless you're going to have Stretch be in the next one, there's really no reason to do any more films after that. I mean, you you kind of bookended, you know, and granted, they could pull a Halloween Kills. Sorry to bring it up, but they don't, you know, as far as you know, they're all ended. The whole Sawyer family has been has been ended uh, <laughs> at the end of this. And, and the girl, the girl stands alone. The woman stands alone with the chainsaw. So, I mean, you know, that's not, that's kind of a fitting end to this. Uh, I wouldn't buy, but folks, there is a Texas chainsaw massacre three, which we will talk about next week. Uh, just one final comment. This film is where the saw is family came from because the cook says sex Nobody knows about <laughs> sex. Nobody knows about sex. It's unknown. But the saw is family, which I <laughs> that's one of those lines of dialogue where I'm like, this makes no sense. And yet it does all at the same time. And I have no idea why. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's definitely uh, different. But what is the tie that binds? That's right. Blood is the tie that binds, as does the rope in the uh, pantry that's in the ground stake. But it's, it's an immaculate consumption. Oh, sorry. We're just going to chop that up right now. And yeah, please do. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, you should be. You should be ashamed of yourself, Ian. So uh, thank that's you. That's my default state, Mark. <laughs> shame uh thank you so much for our viewers tonight for uh, watching us comment on this interesting cannon fodder film and it is a cannon fodder film so hopefully this isn't too loud and blows anyone ears drums but since cara you haven't shot the cannon yet ian has angelique has so you get to shoot the cannon which basically means we have uh five cannon films left to cover for our specials you get to pick a random number between one and five. We'll shoot the cannon and see which one it's going to hit. So pick a number between one and five, Kara. Four. Four. She's hitting four. So hopefully this isn't too loud for you. Folks. Oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> that's the opening. Here it is. Here's the cannon. Let's see what number, let's see what number four hit. Well, there you go. Again, Ian, I don't know what it is, but our horror guests end up hitting the horror films. Next hey. month, Life Force, the <laughs> canon classic Life oh. Force. And another Toby Hooper film. And another <laughs> Toby Hooper film. That is weird. The best. <laughs> movie about naked electric space vampires ever made <laughs> well, way to spoil it Angelique <laughs> oh come now 
Well, maybe while I'm watching that movie. So <laughs> sorry, it, it, it'll <laughs> it'll take me a little bit to come up if if I do a monthly theme for next year, uh, next month for uh, circled around life force. We will see. But yes, thank you, Kara. You hit life force. So that's two horror guests we've had who have horror YouTube channels who hit the horror film on the list. That's the last horror film on the list. Go figure. And sh you hit it. So Life Force is next month's cannon fodder film. Uh, looking forward to that. That's going to be an interesting discussion, as Angelique already alluded to. So now, as always, this is where you get the license to shill. My guests can tell you where you can find all their wonderful material at. So, Kara, please, uh, the floor is yours. Where can they find your stuff at? I'm currently sticking to youtube so i'm over at uh, youtube.com forward slash horror retrospective and i'm currently doing uh, kind of like i was doing radio shows on fridays i've kind of switched over and i'm doing audiobooks or novelizations but i usually have a, a premiere on friday so if it's not a a radio show it's usually a public domain film and it's just kind of a just for fun thing Nice. So check that out. Horror Retros. Some great videos. Uh, I enjoy them uh, when I have time to watch them. Uh, I really enjoy them. Give me some perspective on these uh, films. So yeah, check it out. Uh, and uh, Angelique, License to Shill. Uh, well, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, I'm at magic.com. We've got some exciting things coming. Hi. Um you can also find me at Dread Central. I'm now a contributing writer over there. So I've done a lot of news <laughs> in the last couple <laughs> of weeks. <laughs> um, and uh, here in the next probably two weeks or so, Paranormal Schlockdown is going to be relaunching. Ooh, so, nice. Yeah. Nice. That should be fun. So awesome. Good to hear. And Ian, I think you got something or two to shill. So please, sir, by all means, shill away. Okay. Uh, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I also have the Kicking the Seat YouTube channel um, where I put out uh, movie reviews and filmmaker interviews and roundtables and that kind of stuff uh, several times a week. And tomorrow night, uh, well, It'll be Wednesday, uh, on July. I don't even know what's the thirteenth. Is that right? It'll be 14th. July 14th. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I know dates. I'm not. I'm. I'm not uh, <laughs> dumb. Of course, I get. It sounds like I am. Anyway, by the time you folks are watching this, the live show will be over. But you can watch, uh, catch up with Loki's Midweek Mischief, uh, the weekly Disney Plus Marvel Roundtable recap that we do. Uh, it's gonna be the season finale episode. And Mark, are you gonna join us for that? I should be able to join you for that if you will have the DC shill. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we we love the DC DC shilling. It's not the same without you. But uh, yeah, so by the time you're watching this episode, you can go back and watch that uh, yes. recap, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, for those of you who are at all interested, pardon my shill, uh, but we do have a Patreon, as I, I plug at the end of this episode. But we are doing our own recap. I get Honorable Son number one, and we actually do a recap of Loki af right after we watch it. And it's interesting to get 
a perspective of a 21 year old versus an old man. So, you know, <laughs> where neither one of us know, he knows more about Marvel than I do. And he made me do homework. So, um, oh. yeah, kids, <laughs> kids, you know, I don't know who the hell, ra- better for it. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell raised him. I don't know, but you know, I got to talk to that person, but, <laughs> but thank you very much everyone for watching. And I would just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more Spoiler Room content, head on over to our Patreon.com slash Special Mark Productions site, where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet Spoiler Room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.